0: Daniel Baccio had a promising first season at Texas Tech and returns as a sophomore with a lot of upside. We've got the rundown coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. Our Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Be sure that you go subscribe to our channel if you have not already. I'm Ryan Mainville. He's Emory Lida. Today we are talking Daniel Baccio, the 6'11 center forward out of Paris, France. Had a very promising freshman year. Um, started the year really strong, kind of had his minutes wither down as the year went on, but showed up in some big ways and some blowout games down the stretch. And then right at the front of Big 12 play, he was a key piece. But man, Emery, in our in our preseason talks, when we were kind of digging into guys, I was a, a little harsh uh, on Daniel Boccio, to put it lightly. Um, I just, I didn't really see how he could contribute Um, especially coming off, you know, almost two years of no competitive basketball had a lot of knee issues. I was concerned and I was very harsh on him, thought he was going to be the typical one and done Texas Tech International Center. And you were telling me, tap the brakes. This guy's film is a lot better than, you know, some of the Russell Chiwa, Vlad Golden type guys. He's got some promise. I was still hesitating. But a couple of games in, man, it did not take Daniel Bacho very long to shut me up.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because early on, I was kind of skeptical about if he was going to be able to get back into shape and sort of have the experience and knock off some of the rust before a game started. And if he if he was healthy and if he was able to do that, I felt confident that he would have an impact in some capacity, even if it was a spot minutes, dude, just because if you look back at his tape on the international days prior to coming to Arizona, it looked like a guy that really had a lot of developed talent already. Someone that had a lot of feel offensively, defensively was a good rim protector. So there was a lot of skill there, but the injuries were a big permutation that had to be solved before you saw any action. And thankfully, it seemed early on in the season he was really healthy, came back, looked to Looked the part. I mean, some of the early games, he looked like arguably the best big, if not the second best big, behind Bryson Williams on the roster. I don't think that's hyperbole to say. I think there were some games where he genuinely looked that good. And then over the course of the season, I almost feel like there was maybe a little bit of a wall that he hit, whether it be because of injuries, because of fatigue, or just because he simply hasn't played that many games in three years, basically. So it's hard to really get a gauge on that. But certainly, I mean, is a guy that came into the season, I feel like, really under the radar from Tech fans. I saw kind of the project big status and assumed it'd be like a Vlad Golden or a Russell Chihuahua who basically didn't get any rotation minutes. And that wasn't the case. Bacho was someone that came into Arizona as a develop, developed product, had some injuries, obviously, that he dealt with his last year internationally and then obviously his first year at Arizona. And I think that maybe skewed perception of him a little bit. But certainly, he came into the season ready to go. And we saw that... He's really a refined player, especially defensively, had a lot of impact at times on the team. There was one thing that I saw from Daniel Bacho that as soon
0: as I saw it, I knew that I was wrong and I knew that my opinion on him was going to have to change.
1: Any guess as to what that was? I'm going to say it's switching onto a guard as a five. And we saw yeah. that. We saw that quite a bit early on in the season, especially in some of the like bye games that tech had. I mean, I think Incarnate Word comes to mind where they ran a two-guard lineup and Boccio in that game had a really, really good game from a switching standpoint, and that carried over to some of the higher level competition as well. Yeah, definitely. It's the switching ability for me. Dash the
0: lateral quickness, dash his ability to play out on the perimeter. I mean, that is something that we have not seen from a six foot eleven guy at Texas Tech. Ever, it, it was just remarkable the the way that he was able to stay in front of guards, switch onto them, and then still play legitimate good defense. Not just hold his own or stand his ground. He was able to disrupt plays out on the perimeter, get steals, put his hands on the ball. His defensive ability out on the perimeter. As soon as I saw that, I was like, man, I'm gonna be wrong about this guy, and it's gonna sting. I mean, he, he went on only 2.2 points per game and 2.7 boards and under 10 minutes per game. And so the numbers don't look sexy. I get it. But as soon as I saw that on his tape, I knew that he was going to be somebody that could not only play in Mark Adams' system, but excel within it. And I think that there's still a little bit of steps that Daniel Boccio needs to take to be kind of a higher minutes guy and get over that you 12-15 know, kind of hump that it seems that Texas Tech bigs seem to get stuck on. But the lateral quickness and his ability to play alongside guards and out on the perimeter makes him, you know, the, the potential is so high. The up is high. And where I was really pessimistic last year, I'll, I'll probably be really bullish on his role for next season. And I'll, you know,
1: bet the over metaphorically yeah for me I kind of look at it in some ways in the opposite because I was really high on Bacho coming in and switching and I really do still feel like that's a lot of what he can bring to the table I'm just skeptical of him holding up for a full season I feel like we still saw we saw him miss a few games down the stretch with a knee injury we saw him kind of as the season progressed got fewer and fewer minutes I mean you look at his last seven games of the season. The only times he cracked over 10 minutes were games where Tech had absolute blowouts and played kind of the back end of the rotation for a good seven or eight minutes. So he really didn't have ten or more natural minutes in a game dating all the way back to the TCU game on February 12th. And that's basically the last 10 10 appearances for him. And so I think that there's a little bit of concern there for him on a health standpoint. And compared to how I looked at him coming into the season, certainly he reaffirmed all of my sort of beliefs on him coming into the season from a film standpoint. And obviously it was good to see from the get-go, he was ready to go. That was something that kind of caught me by surprise was really glad to see. And I think that a fully healthy Daniel Boccio that's able to get good minutes, is able to be in the rotation consistently, is going to be a really good player, but there's things he has to work on. Like you mentioned, I think certainly the aggressiveness defensively at times, he can be sort of a step slow or maybe a step over, over ambitious and collect foul trouble offensively i feel like he gets kind of caught in situations where he doesn't really know exactly what to do and he's kind of a little bit of tweener from a role standpoint because he clearly hasn't had a lot of experience as a role man big he doesn't necessarily have much post ability as of yet that's something he still has to develop and he's not really a stretch guy either so there's really no out there's no real fit for him as of yet outside of just being in the dunker spot and occasionally getting those sorts of looks but Certainly defensively has a lot of potential. I think that the biggest key for him is just going to be improving the durability, getting another season worth of conditioning in, and just kind of improving some of the little things on his game. I mean, I think if you look at defensively, he's really a smart defender. He just can be a step over ambitious at times. And it's something that's easy to fix. It's certainly something that we've seen guys improve over the course of their college career. And Boccio has time to do that. But I think going into next year, if he can improve his sort of, discipline defensively and stay healthy. I think there's a really good avenue for him to being that third big in Tech's lineup and getting a good amount of minutes when either Amac or O'Banner aren't in the game. Yeah, and that's the thing. He has to
0: stay healthy, and that's really been the biggest factor in limiting his college career at this point. I mean, didn't log a single minute at Arizona. uh, Obviously had some inconsistencies down the stretch last year. He's got to stay healthy, and I think a lot of people... Look at development like something that happens in the offseason, but so much development happens on the court whenever you're going against high-level competition. And so he's got to be able to, you know, stay in those games, appear in those games, and play big minutes against Big 12 competition. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's something that will prepare him well for a big role. And I think that if he can stay healthy and get into those games, we're going to see some good leaps by Daniel Bacho. I want to look back at some of the best games of his season last year. But first, a quick word from Built Bar. Summer is coming and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built bars they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. And it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order now. Built has a ton of good flavors like banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Here talking Daniel Baccio, obviously a guy that caught me by surprise. Emery was a little bit more optimistic on his role than I was, but it did not take long for Daniel Baccio to impress. I mean, you mentioned the Incarnate Word game earlier. That was really the game where he emerged as... a a very legitimate player on this roster for me. And I mean, he scored eight points and had eight boards. Those are good numbers. Those are really good numbers, especially when you consider that he only played 11 minutes. But really for me, it it was kind of just going back to what we were talking about earlier and his ability to play uh, against guards and that incarnate word team, man, I know they, they aren't great. Like they're, they're a buy game for Texas Tech, but when you've got guys like RJ Glasper and Josh Morgan and Daniel Bacho is keeping up with them like it's his primary assignment, that's a sign that you've got something really unique and really special on uh, on your roster. And so that's not what I'm going to crown as his best game for the season, but that was definitely when I knew that Daniel Bacho was going to be something to behold.
1: Yeah, RJ Glasper in particular is a guard that has a lot of shift to him. And in that game, I mean, Bacho just had him, whenever whenever they would switch onto him, he just completely shut him down. I mean, Glasper in that game had nine turnovers. And I feel like a lot of it was Bacho kind of being able to switch. And obviously, it doesn't just include Boccio. There was a lot that went into that. But certainly, like that game for Boccio, he got matched with a couple of guards in that one that had quite a bit of burst for guards in by games. Obviously, they weren't probably the best guards that Tech would face all year by any means, but that's sort of representative of the sort of player that Boccio was able to defend. And so seeing him being able to switch on a glass and kind of make his life miserable was something that I was really optimistic about coming out of that game. Obviously, you had the rebounding ability that showed out in that one as well. Also sink down for free throws, but it just showed kind of what the optimal picture of Daniel Boccio looked like. And then the game after that against Nebraska-Omaha, he came out and had six assists. I mean, if you had told me before the season that Daniel Bacho would have had six assists in a game, I would have thought you were absolutely crazy. And yes, it happened against Nebraska Omaha. Yes, that was a bye game that Tech won by 56 points. But that doesn't matter. Six assists from a dude that, Basically, has no offensive role on the team. It was nuts. It showed kind of the secondary passing ability that Bacho showed over the course of the season. And I think that when I'm looking at games that really showcase his overall ability, I mean, you have to start obviously the word in Nebraska Omaha games. But the Omaha game was just such a weird stat line for him to end up with six point six assists, ten boards. He was close to a triple double, which is nuts to consider that out of all the guys this season, Bacho. I believe he was the only one that had a game with five points, ten, ass- 10 rebounds, and five assists on the team. So just a crazy game. And certainly Bacho had sort of a passing skill set from that Nebraska-Omaha game that set the scene for maybe not what he was going to do the rest of the year, because I don't think he came close to that the entire rest of the season. I don't think he had more than one assist in any game after that, but something that certainly showed a passing ability that we had not seen yet. Yeah, well, I mean, we're talking big, man,
0: so blocks are always going to be something that people point to as kind of a barometer for effective defensive play, and while I don't always think it's the most accurate thing to look at, Daniel Boccio did have two uh, noticeable games for me. The only time he had more than two blocks in a game, or two or more blocks, I should say, was against Tennessee in Madison Square Garden and then at West Virginia, which I think was by far the the best game of his season. I mean, he looked phenomenal in that game in Morgantown. Had six points, four of them came from the line. Only three boards, but those four blocks, man, he played in 13 minutes and he picked up four blocks in that game. Four of his points came from the line. I thought that he showed his ability to just really, really agitate a defense that wants to stretch you out and wants you to be able to get exploited in the pick and roll. I thought that Daniel Bacho showed what he could be at his best in that West Virginia game. And then, oh, yeah, it's against Big 12 competition. And West Virginia wasn't, you know, what it has been for the past couple of years. But that's still a good team. And he played some really, really promising defense in that game. And so that's kind of the game that I look back on and, and that I get excited for when I think about next season.
1: I'm going to go with the Tennessee game because I think that was the one time this year where you really saw Daniel Boccio get integrated into the key rotation for this team. And he played 27 minutes. Granted it was an overtime game, but still like you compare his minutes to Bryson Williams, he played more minutes in that game than Bryson Williams did. And it wasn't like Williams was in foul trouble. Mark Adams just saw what Boccio was doing and decided that that was a more valuable skill set than what Bryson Williams could put on the floor in that particular game. And yes, Williams was struggling from the field at that time, but still like that takes a lot of Gus from Mark Adams to do. And then you look at Tennessee's stats around the rim in that game and Bacho having those two blocks. I mean, Tennessee in that game shot nine of 25 from the rim. And obviously Daniel Bacho doesn't have everything to do with that, but his ability as a rim protector, not just talking about the blocks in that game were completely absurd. He was able to switch on the guys like Kennedy Chandler and Zeigler as well. And those guys are really twitchy guards that a big man like Bacho should not be able to switch on to. Did that well. And he completely shut down their driving ability and for good measure had 11 rebounds, got to the free throw line five times. He only hit hit two of them, but still, like for me, that Tennessee game, if Bacho isn't in it, I think the tech loses just because they're not able to defend quite well enough to overcome the fact that on that night they were awful offensively. And so Rocher's ability to protect the rim and just be a force on the inside in that one was critical. And if you look over the course of the season, I don't think that there was a single game where he was tasked with that big of a role. And yeah, certainly the West Virginia game I think was another really good shout from you because that's a game where he really showed his rim protecting ability. He ended up with four blocks. Also thought he did a good job kind of playing a variety of roles in that one as well because. If I remember correctly, they had him on Gabe Osoboyan quite a bit. And Osoboyan's a guy that West Virginia tasked with running a decent amount of their offense, considering that his main ability on offense is his playmaking. So for him to be able to shut down Osoboyan and then also switch well in that game as well was impressive. But for me, it's the Tennessee game, just for the fact that he played such a big role in that one. And then also one more kind of minor shout. I feel like the Mississippi State game was a really good game for him from an offensive role standpoint, just in his ability to sort of be kind of in that dunker spot and as well as that kind of play alongside other bigs. And I mean, Tech's offense in that game, we've mentioned, I believe, on that Honest Arms review, but that was probably one of their smoothest games offensively. And Bacho played a really good role in that. And so for me, the Tennessee game sticks out, but there are certainly a few other games out there that were really impressive over the course of the year.
0: And one game you've already touched on was that game against Omaha where he had the ten points, the six assists, or the six points, six assists, and ten boards. Kevin McCullough also had a five, five, and ten game against Tennessee, but he did it in forty-two minutes. Since two thousand and ten, Daniel Bacho is the quickest player in all of college basketball to hit those marks in a game. He did it in sixteen minutes. Two other guys did it in 18 minutes, uh, and, and man, that was 2015, and it was UAB in Murray State. So Daniel Bacho, man, playing playing some pretty insane basketball to put up a stat line like that in the amount of time that he was on the court. But shows a lot of promise for who he is, and talking about promise, let's get into his role uh, for next season after I let you know that this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often painless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourself customers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, so Daniel Bacho obviously I think is a guy that's being projected as a key chain and the link for next season's team. I think a lot of people were a little bit worried or skeptical with the addition of Fardaz Amac and if that would kind of push Bacho off the roster, but I've been uh, pretty public about that on this podcast that I think that that was a win-win situation for both Amac and Bacho because it gets Amac in the starting five, which is what Texas Tech needs. It's what Amac should want as a player transferring up, and it puts Daniel Bacho on the bench, which I think is a win-win for Texas Tech and Daniel Bacho. Now, not getting a starting job, uh, it, it may feel like a little bit of a burn, and you know you want to play those bigger minutes, but. I just don't think that we're ready for Daniel Bacho as the primary starting five on a team just quite yet. I don't think that there's just enough tools to feel really comfortable about having him in that spot and expecting him to play, you know, over 20 minutes a night. I, I just think that he—getting him on the bench and allowing him to come in in a reserve-type role— is going to be really good for his on-court development. It's going to be good for him to come into games and to play really good defense when Amac and O'Banner are shot. It's going to be good for him to get some action in the pick-and-roll and and draw fouls like he did last season so effectively. But I I, I do think that him kind of being that third big, which is what I think he will be right now, I would not project uh, Robert Jennings to play over him at this point. But I think that third big spot for Daniel Bacho is a it's a good place for him to be. And I think that it's gonna be really fruitful for both Texas Tech and him.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is you have to be realistic with the jump of minutes that Bacho is gonna have. And certainly he's a guy that only played 21% of his minutes last year. If you look over the course of the season in 2020, 2019, that's fewer minutes than Avery Benson played in the 2020 season. It's less than half of the minutes that freshman Kyler Edwards played. And it's also less minutes than Tyreek Smith played in 2021. So there is a lot that goes into that that would indicate that Boccio still probably needs another season worth of development to jump in the starting five. Not saying that it won't happen, because certainly, I mean, obviously with AMAC and O'Banner coming, it's going to be an extremely high mountain to climb. And obviously, you would expect that both of those guys are going to start. But if you hypothetically, if you didn't have AMAC, you would say that it would be possible for Boccio to start, but it's not something that you would feel necessarily comfortable with. And the other side of that is just Boccio's health. And obviously we've mentioned that it's been kind of a recurring issue. I don't want to speculate on what the issues might be, but certainly you always want to be a little bit cautious with guys like that and just making sure that they're not getting overworked early in the season and not being placed on to have too much responsibility when it comes to minutes. And certainly, I mean, Boccio is going to want to play. Any player going to want to play, but you have to be smart just making sure that he doesn't overwork himself. But with that said, I mean, being the third big in Texas Tech's rotation is still going to be a a role that he can excel in. And I don't think either KJ Allen or Robert Jennings is anywhere close to being able to supplant him in that position. So at that point, you're talking about he could feasibly get the amount of minutes that a guy like Marcus Santos Silva had last year, maybe even a little bit more, because I think that last year you had kind of the situation where Baccio had kind of a skill set that the other bigs just simply didn't have in his rim protection. And then as well as that, you could say that Bryson Williams and O'Banner both had really diverse skill sets that maybe Sancho Silva was lacking. And so with that, that kind of took away some of the opportunities, but with Bacho, it firmly looks like he's going to be the third big in primarily a three big system in tax rotation. And that's going to give him quite a few opportunities. And so I don't think it's a bad thing these days on the bench. I think he could easily double his minutes this year and, still be on the bench in every single game if that makes sense and so for me i think the bigger thing is just making sure he stays healthy I think there's a couple of development things that he can do certainly offensively just kind of fitting into a role more whether that be more as a pick and roll got pick and roll threat or kind of developing the outside shot a little bit to the point of being serviceable there we're kind of de- developing a little bit in the post, just kind of adding a little bit of an offensive game. I think that's going to be critical in terms of allowing him to play more minutes and then defensively staying out of foul trouble, continuing to improve as a shot blocker. I think that that's one of the skills as, as a rim protector. He can be elite at, and I think that his switchability is something that Tech is going to need because Bartelsz amac and O'Banner, certainly both of them have had some issues to varying degrees with their switchability over the last couple of years, particularly with AMAC. I think that's going to be, something worth watching with him. So Bacho's ability to switch and his rim protection is going to give you kind of an alternative that allows him to play in more minutes. And so I think in general, next year it's going to be all about just his development as a player. And certainly, I mean, the role that he's going to play is going to be a step up from what it was this year, but still probably not, not too much to where he can't manage it or risk getting injured because of the minutes load. If Daniel Bacho. Boccio- were to
0: improve one thing that you think would have the biggest impact on his projected minutes for
1: next season, what would it be? I'm going to go with shooting. As unrealistic as that may be, I actually feel like in the like eight jump shot attempts that we have on tape and the 40 free throw attempts, I like a shot for him. I think that there's something there. And his archetype as a player and what he seems comfortable playing with is a guy that screens well and can kind of hang around the perimeter offensively. And he has the feel to be able to be a playmaker. So you add those things in and if he can add a jump shot and be able to play more of a perimeter centric game, I really think that it opens up his ability offensively, because I think that he's always going to be someone that can be a good role man and finish at the rim. He's someone that has the feel like I mentioned as a passer to, kind of play out of that high pick and roll area and sort of be a passing threat from there and if he can have the jump shot there then suddenly you're not kind of being you're not having him as a liability out on the perimeter if he's content or if he's staying out there and kind of just sort of setting screens and whatnot and so if he's able to do that I think that adds a lot to his offensive versatility and allows for him to kind of have a role that suits him well as opposed to trying to develop a post-up game which I just don't think is going to suit him very well yeah, that's a that's an interesting
0: take. And I think it's a good one. Like, you always want bigs that can shoot. And so for him to develop a jump shot would be pretty insane, a pretty, uh pretty useful tool to have in his kit. But I'm not sure I'm as optimistic about that coming around as you are. For me, I'd probably say uh, just improving the pick and roll game and, and becoming a more aggressive rim roller, and then making his free throws, which again, he did pretty well last year. Uh, made 24 of 40, which is not bad for a six foot eleven guy. It could be better, but it's not bad. And he had a really, really good start to the year there. But I, I think for Boccio, it's it's getting a little bit more burst and using some of that speed that we've seen on defense to put some pressure on the defense. And then I think part of that too, which is maybe a little bit of an underrated aspect when it comes to bigs, is being able to put the ball on the floor. Even if it's just for one bounce and like anybody that played in the front court growing up will like be be so triggered right now like I am. Cause I, I like remember my coaches screaming at me like, once you get the ball in the post, don't put it down, you'll get it stolen. But I really do think that him getting to be used in the pick and roll game, getting the ball at, you know, right past the free throw line, putting the ball down on the court for one dribble and then taking it to the basket is a play style that I could see him fitting into really well. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with his health, just because the burst and the, and the ability to handle the ball will be necessary for that to be effective or else it's just going to be a turnover every time or a charging foul. But if that comes around for Bacho, he is a consistent tool to be used on offense. And I think that's really the biggest thing that he needs to add right now is just something that generates consistent offense and gets him on the court.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because I feel like we have kind of a similar take on sort of where he needs to improve and that his ideal offensive role comes out of the screen and roll game and sort of being able to set screens, get to the rim, put pressure on the rim or sort of utilizing some of the ball skills that we know that he has. I think that where our difference comes is I feel like the shot is probably maybe in my opinion, it feels a little bit more attainable than kind of having him figure out the dribbling because I think just in general, his size and stature and the fact that he's never really had to play in that specific role and had the ability to drive is something that kind of plays into me being a little bit pessimistic on that end. But certainly, I feel like both of those approaches, if he is able to sort of pick up and be more aggressive going to the rim as a role man and can kind of create off the dribble a little bit, just if it's one, two dribbles, then that's something that's going to help out his ability. And he's going to have to be respected as a screener. And the same thing goes as a jump shooter. If he's able to improve that shot just marginally, he doesn't even have to be a good jump shooter, just a guy that can be kind of a 28, 30% three point shooter, effective from the mid range, someone that can kind of take the ball off of the screen and pop and be able to hit it. That's gonna be a really valuable addition as well. So I think that there's two ways to kind of look at that. And certainly I think the biggest takeaway there is if he can find something offensively that gives him more value, then that's gonna open up a lot of his, a lot of opportunity for minutes and. Open up his offensive game in general, and so that's defensively. I feel like the shot blocking and in the interior defense is always going to be there. I think he can improve his discipline a little bit, but that's something I have faith in. Just being a result of development, he's still a young player. This was his first real college action last year. I think that at times as well, getting put in games for five or six minutes, you have a tendency to be over ambitious, and we saw that a little bit with Clarence Dudley last year and the years pr- years prior, where when you put someone in for two or three minutes spurts, it's natural to see them maybe be a little bit more aggressive. And then when you play them for 28 or 30 minutes, you kind of see maybe a little bit more reined in version of them. So it's interesting to me, but certainly I think Baccio's offensive game is where you're going to see a lot of development and where really his course as a player is going to be dictated because if he can be an effective offensive player, I think the sky's really the limit. And you can look at this talk this time next year of him being the undisputed guy the as the fifth starter for Tech going into 2023-2024. Yeah, well, Daniel Boccio is
0: certainly an incredible and intriguing athlete, especially um, at his size. And so just a joy to look back on the first year that he's had at Tech and at the college level and project where he could be next year. Thank you all for tuning in to our Daniel Boccio recap. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review wherever you listen. Go like this episode on YouTube. Uh, Subscribe to our feed wherever you get podcasts. And then let us know on Twitter. You can follow Emory at Eraser41. You can follow the official Locked on Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked on TTU to get notified whenever a new episode goes live. Until then, thanks for making Locked on Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Big 12. Get all of your daily Big 12 news in less than 30 minutes with Big 12 expert Josh Neighbors. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.